Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, the Boston Celtics have taken a 2-1 lead over the Warriors in the NBA Finals, and the Winning Plays Podcast is back to break it all down. My name is Brian Robb, joined by the one only Ryan Bernardoni at DangerCart on Twitter to, to talk about a pretty eventful game three that uh, was a bit of a roller coaster ride for the Celtics before they uh, dominated the fourth quarter, just flat out by going back to um, the lamp that got them there in the first place and um, some other fun ones. So Ryan, I'll, um, I'll start with you here. Where, where do you want to, I mean, what do you, what's the biggest thing you take out of that game? If anything there was this, was this more of a, them getting back to their roots and, or did, was it more than that in terms of what made the difference in a, a pivotal game three for this team? Uh, well, I, I'm always you know, hesitant to draw too big of a conclusion from any one game. Um, and I think that's that's probably the case here. What stood out to me so far is that the series has been played sort of without big, you know, spectacular adjustments from either team, right? It's like the, the Celtics are basically just playing their offense and defense and the Warriors are basically just playing their offensive and defense. And we haven't seen anything crazy to this point. Um, you know, there's the Celtics haven't started throwing doubles at Steph 35 feet from the hoop. Like we've seen teams have to do in the past. Right. Uh, they haven't played Grant Williams at center. They haven't, you know, whatever you want, uh, smart white and Pritchard. They haven't played them together. They, right. They haven't had to do anything. That's like particularly surprising or odd or, or thrown out a, a real wrench in the works. It's basically just been a, a push pull between like, do we want to be bigger or smaller at any given moment? And on the other side, it's kind of similar for the warriors. Like they aren't, Maybe they will now, but they haven't thrown Kuminga out there to try to get some more athleticism. They haven't spent a bunch of time with Curry, Poole, and Peyton, right? Like how, like I, like how the Celtics haven't had to go with a three-guard backcourt or something like that in, in any particular stretches. Uh, and it's been just kind of a series where it's like these two teams play this way, they are this level of team, and you stack them up against each other, and the games just kind of play out, right? Like we're not watching all these things that are really changing, which is why I think we end up kind of coming back to the same conversation about like, you know, who exactly do they want to have out there? Big, small, that kind of thing. Um, but nothing that's, that's kind of out of left field. Um, and what you're left with to this point anyway, is that once again, the Celtics look like a better team. They look like the more uh, athletic and, and physical team. Um, and it looks like if they don't shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers that, um, 
or kind of lose the the plot a little bit when officiating and physicality goes against them like it did in game two that that they do look like what you you know what you think is the better team here uh so my perspective coming out of those couple of games is like i'm trying to stay calm but it's getting pretty exciting if you're a celtic <laughs> fan right now i mean it can't just from uh the supporting cast perspective i mean we we thought the celtics had the edge on that going into the series but i think game three kind of pushed that through and through with with Rob Williams, obviously looking his best in this series in terms of what he's able to do. And then guys like Grant Williams and obviously Marcus Smart reemerging after, after rough game twos for them. Um, I do think like, to your point, there have been no, you know, monster shifts from either side. There've been some, you know, minor tweaks. And I thought the Celtics, they wrote about this on mass live today. Um, made a couple ones or just like not shifts of adjustments, but, put a couple of focus on a couple of things. And I thought the offensive glass in game three was a big one. The Celtics is like their best offensive rebounding game of the postseason and, and the second percentage wise of the entire regular season too. And I think what, what happened there was Draymond Green being put on Jalen Brown defensively. That obviously takes the, the Warriors best rebounder away from the hoop outside of Looney. And with Looney not playing much and Green on Brown, I think the message for me and the staff there is like, hey, let's really crash the glass. And that's through the ups and downs of that game and particularly in that third quarter, we thought obviously Rob, Grant, Williams, um, almost every single starter had multiple offensive rebounds and they really took advantage of the size advantage and leaned into the fact saying, hey, you know what? We're not going to go small here. We're going to actually, now that we found a little weakness on you guys, when you go super small, it was particularly with this group. And I think that really helped them get to the finish line in game three. Uh, yeah, obviously the offensive rebounding was a, a big story of, of that one game. Uh, where I land on a lot of these things, and not just in this series of the Celtics, but in sort of all of these series, it's like, was that a, there's different ways that that could be interpreted, right? That could, it could be kind of luck and fortune, like the ball bounced their way a bunch of times and we won't see it again for, for, just because that's the way it was. We usually focus on that with like three point shooting, right? A team makes 22 threes in a game. And you're like, well, that's not going to happen again the next game, probably. Um, and it could be that, that that's what happened, that they had a big offensive rebounding game because the ball just went their way or they had a little bit more energy or whatever. So it could be that it could be that it's, a they were crashing though. They were crashing. Like sure, but if you look at the perimeter players, like they, you could tell that they were like smart. Those guys, yeah. they're like getting their feet, getting their hands dirty in there. And so that's the next part of it. Like, is it, was it a tactical adjustment? Was it something for that particular game that 10 minutes into the game, they were like, Hey, we're having good luck with this. Let's lean into it a little bit. Uh, or was it a strategic thing where every time the Warriors go small for the rest of the series, now the Celtics will be able to take advantage of that. And we will see big offensive rebounding games again and again and again, because usually when you say things like that was their second best offensive rebounding game of the season or whatever you said, it was like, you don't see that again, the next game or in the next, four games because they just won't get to that level again. Now that can obviously be because the Warriors change their strategy or tactics and come back and they don't go super small or they, you know, they play Looney more, which opens up other opportunities or they put in some principles in practice that say, Hey, we're going to play small. We're going to do these certain things to try to avoid this. So it can be that push and pull, but I never know from one game, which of those three things it is in a series you do see, tactical or strategic shifts that like, Oh no, this happens. And then it, it plays out for the rest of the series. And 
you see it over and over again for the rest of the way. So I'm not saying that it's not that. I'm just saying from one game, I don't have enough information to know what that is. So even though that was a big part of the story of that one game, I'm not sure that in the next two or three or hopefully, you know, Celtics victories here, but we'll see how many games. Like, I don't know that they are going to dominate the offensive glass from, from here on out, even in moments when the Warriors go small. We just kind of have to, to see. Uh, but even if it is just a tactical shift for that one game, like there's only seven games. You only have to win four of them. Anything you can do tactically that wins you one game is an enormous thing in, in the NBA finals, right? Like I'm not knocking it as, is this a one game thing? Is it whatever, whatever it is, it worked last night in a game that they had to win and, and they won. So that's wonderful. And that's, and that's, I think, again, to the credit to the, like you said, you can't overreact. And I don't, I don't expect them to, to crush one of the last, but I, I feel like this was a, Okay, you can't tell for sure. It may have been more just more of a game flow thing where they saw, okay, Rob, like the coaching staff is like Rob is obviously moving around well tonight, like being able to do more things than he has in these in these first two games. And that's going to be a game-to-game thing for him throughout the rest of the series, has been all playoffs. But then you look at that, you look at, you know, guys on the Warriors, maybe, you know, not with that same level of energy in game two. And so I think, I mean, you look at, what he did rotation wise is he pulled Rob after three minutes of the first quarter and the third quarter, which is much earlier than usual, which I think was a, you know, tactical thing to say, okay, let's, let's get smaller earlier to see what it looks like. Let's put Rob back out there when, when Steph is resting to maybe help him out there. But then over the course of the game, it was like, okay, um, Rob is actually playing really well. Grant is giving us something. And after Horford, I thought I had a really rough third quarter there. And going and Derek White started to, you know, I think go flutter. He's like, okay, let's, uh, let's go back into lead and into this offensive glass thing. Like at least give us the possibility of that like going well, obviously back to the double big there. And they clearly rode that out the rest of the way. So I do think now like the, the one tactical thing, I think that will, they got out of that. I expect to continue going forward is, is limiting the Al Rob minutes together. And then going with, you know, either one of those guys playing center with, maybe, you know, a healthier dose of Grant or just small ball, depending on, depending on how that game's going. It's going to go game by game, I feel like. All right, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor, Ticket IQ here at the Wing Plays podcast. Big game four coming up in this series at the TD Garden. It was absolutely raucous last night, and I expect that to continue on Friday night at the Garden. And if you want to be there, your best bet is Ticket IQ. The thing that they offer that is great is fee-free tickets for all events what you see on the site is what you pay and so ticket iq customers save about 10 to 20 percent compared to the other secondary secondary market sites like StubHub or ace ticket because of those fee-free tickets so that that transparency is important on top of that if you buy at ticket iq for nba finals or anything else you want to go to ticket wise you get an additional 50 dollars off at checkout with the promo code B-Rob, that's B-R-O-B-B. With that code, you could get into the door for hundreds less than you could at other sites based on Ticket IQ's fee-free tickets. So head on over there, check them out at Ticket IQ for tickets for the rest of the series, whether you're on the East Coast or thinking about or are transplanting on the West Coast. Ticket IQ is the place to go. Use that promo code B-Rob, that's B-R-O-B-B, $50 off for Ticket IQ. It's your best bet. Now back to the show. All right, guys, I'm going to be rolling for the rest of this pod solo here. Ryan had a little situation come up, um, so we'll be talking to him again later in the series. So just want to spread around a few more thoughts 
on this game three and what we're looking forward to heading into game four. We touched a little bit on Rob Williams already um, in terms of the two big, one big situation. As I said before, really liked what Ime Adoka did with him in terms of pulling him out of the first, after the first couple minutes of each half. That was a situation that gave the Celtics a look at that single big lineup of Al Horford in the middle with Derek White getting the additional playing time and also helped Rob Williams come back in a situation where Steph Curry and some of the other offensive firepower for the Warriors is on the bench. So that makes his life easier defensively, makes him able to impact the game a little more defensively. And we really saw that in this game from him. This, from my, in my mind, this was the best he played potentially all postseason. I know he had a couple of big games against the Heat there, but what he did all around last night, eight points, 10 rebounds, three steals, four blocks, which are both team highs, a team high plus 21. It really told the story there. Um, he was making his impact felt in the paint. He had a lot of like hustle plays, picking off the long passes, just good anticipation type stuff that we really haven't seen much from him in this postseason when he's been hurt and dealing with this, with this knee issue. So yeah, it's hard to tell if this is a one game thing for him, but this, the Celtics really needed it last night when things got hairy in that game in the third quarter. And so for him to deliver that performance and, you know, Emi Adoka to be wise enough to kind of ride him and Grant Williams for a pretty big stint there uh, after the Warriors race a lead. I thought that was important and was a really big part of this win. Uh, looking else around this, looking else where around the Celtics, uh, Jason Tatum's night, 26 points, nine assists, uh, six rebounds, really had trouble finishing at the rim in this game, nine to 23 from the field. A lot of those, he got there close to it, but he just couldn't finish in a couple spots. And a couple of them were, were wide open bunnies in the fast break. So you'd wonder if really those came back to haunt the Celtics, but, uh, the Warriors didn't really change what they did tackle against him. They threw buys at him all night. The nine assists versus two turnovers is a, is a great ratio from the Celtics perspective. He was a very willing passer all night long and that um, boded well. And he was also, he tried to be aggressive when he got the mismatches throughout this game. And I think that the biggest guy who took advantage of those mismatches in this game was Jalen Brown. Um, team high, 27 points, nine rebounds, five of six, really efficient, nine of 16 from the field, four, eight from three. He came out red hot, obviously, in that first quarter, helped that build them build that uh, 18 point first half lead. But what I really liked offensively with the Celtics, and this is kind of team-wide in this game, is that they were more aggressive in terms of trying to hunt the mismatches that were out there for them that were created by the Warriors switching. The Warriors stayed small a ton in this game. Uh, Looney only played, I think, like, yeah, only 17 minutes. So it wasn't much at all. And so Jalen Brown, I think, in a few key spots here, he, he not only you know, had a much better night against Draymond Green, who, you know, blowing by him with his speed, on a couple of strong takes to the rim, but he also um, used his strength down low against guys like Curry or Thompson, whatever, when those guys were in a caught in a switch situation. And so I think that's really important for the Celtics in this series. Now with the Warriors really selling out and going small in a lot of these games for their, for the defensive versatility. Um, and so if the Celtics can take advantage of that with guys like Brown and Tatum really going after um inferior offenders when those opportunities present themselves that really helped unlock the Celtics offense here with the 68 points in the first half. It, it slowed down, obviously in the third and fourth quarter, a lot of that was turnovers initially there, but um, what you saw in the first half from the Celtics offensively 
was them, I think, really zeroing in on the matchups they wanted to attack, doing it much smarter than they did in game two. And that started a lot with Tatum and Brown. The Marcus Smart experience was in full effect as well in game three. Um, certainly was a bright spot. Um, all things considered, it was a roller coaster ride. Thanks to the five turnovers, a couple of which were just ones like passes that you'd, you'd probably get crap for even making in a, in a preseason game, much less an NBA Finals game tied at 1 1. But the one behind the back one, that might have been one of his worst in the season. I, I would love to hear what Ime Doga had to say to him on, on the match after that one. But the good news for the Celtics here is that he was really good the rest of the way, um, particularly in the fourth quarter. He had the 24 points on eight of 17 shooting um, three of seven from three point range. He made some big ones. That's right. Especially the, the bank one of a three, which was a prayer, but a big shot at that point in the game to help the Celtics, you know, get back on top after the, the Warriors took the lead at the end of the third quarter. But smart was smarter about attacking the Warriors defense when they were ignoring him and focused more on, you know, the switching around him. And he, he got to the room a couple of times there. He got to the free throw line and, I'd seen my seven times for the team. And that was really big in this game. The Celtics really did not have a third scorer at all in game two. And so for them to get smart in that role in game three, when he hadn't had a kind of night like that in a little bit, that was really big for, for this team in this spot. So with that, what Foley does defensively, if you get this version of Marcus smart, it really bodes well for what's going on in this series right now, because Imedoka, as we saw last night, as we saw going into the series, like he has options here. Like the Celtics tried going with a one big along that game. I think they saw some success in it in the, with the first half with, with Al being the sole big or, or uh, Rob Williams being the sole big. Uh, it was a pretty obvious switch that Daniel Tice was on the bench in this game now with that downsizing by going smaller earlier in this game. You really don't need Tice to be a third center here, you just mix and match those minutes with Al and Rob Williams with Grant Williams playing some four. And then obviously Tatum in that spot on the other time is when Grant Williams aren't in the game, but um, Tice right now is insurance and the Celtics like to see what they could get from them in this series. But a night like that, where Rob Williams is moving well, like there's just no reason to go that deep into his bench. So he may did that well, rode with the double bigs there, but, even if he wants to, like, that is a lineup that he's clearly going to stick with going forward. But we saw him be proactive about getting to that smaller one big lineup sooner in these games. And I think that's important. I think it's, it's going to be a game-by-game game thing in terms of what grouping matches up well to, on a particular night and what grouping matches up well against whatever adjustments the Warriors made. So when you have that going for you, when you have – you know, being able to bounce back and forth there. I think that's going to be really important for the Celtics in this series at, moving forward if they want to close things out. Elsewhere, from a Warriors big picture perspective, it's going to be fascinating to see how they come out of this. Steph Curry, 31 points, 12, 22 from the field. But the foot injury situation there, he says he's going to play in game four. If he's at anything less or not even close to 100% there, that's a huge problem for Golden State right now because we saw the offense around him just kind of fall apart in that fourth quarter when Clay Thompson cooled down. And it's an encouraging sign for Golden State that Clay did find his rhythm. They, they're obviously going to need him to have a couple more games like that 
in this series if they want to come back here. But beyond that, we really saw like the drop off from a supporting cast perspective compared to what the Celtics had in this game. Andrew Wiggins, he's solid 18 points, but one of six from three, um, you know, clearly not on the same level of a guy like Brown or Tatum in the, and, and that's something in this series that, you know, if he's, if he's getting outpaid, outplayed in the game by Marcus Smart, period, like that's a huge problem. But where the Warriors' biggest problem in this game was obviously the bigs. I mean, Draymond Green was an absolute mess. Two points, four rebounds, three assists before fouling out to the delight of the Garden crowd. The, the, the noise, I think that was the loudest cheer of the game from that crowd after when Draymond got out there. Um, but he was just, he was really bad. And, a, and the Warriors can't afford to get nothing from him on both sides of the floor. Like, he's not going to score a ton. He's not going to shoot a ton. Only four shot attempts in this game. Like, that's fine, especially when other guys have it going. But the four rebounds, the three assists, like, he really didn't make much of an impact on this game, period. And the Warriors supporting cast is just not good enough for them to overcome that. I mean, Jordan Poole can get points here or there, but he's going to be have a target on his back defensively. Anytime he's out there, especially the Warriors going small. Otto Porter Jr. is good for threes, but I think he's still kind of hobbled right now with his foot injury that bugged him in the last series. And so he's his rebounding isn't great, and he's not doing much in terms of creation beyond hitting catch-and-shoot threes. And then a, gay, a guy like Gary Payton the second last night, I think, was he had a real rough night, minus 13 in 11 minutes. Um, Jalen Brown blew by him a couple of times um, on backdoor plays. Uh offensively he missed a dunk he's and obviously someone the Celtics can ignore pretty well when he's out there and so when those guys are not there and the Warriors still want to go small and keep Looney on the bench which I think is debatable at this point given what he gives you from a rebounding standpoint but clearly when the Warriors fall behind against the Celtics like they need points and they need him in a hurry and you can't play Looney and Green together at that point if you because that kills your spacing when you're down by 10 15 20 points so they got back in that game by going smaller in the third quarter, but then ultimately kind of ran out of gas there in the fourth Celtics held them just 11 points on 33% shooting in that stretch and the turnovers, my God, um, at the beginning of the fourth quarter for the Warriors, I think they had eight or nine in the whole quarter, uh, but they were throwing it around like their heads were cut off. It was uh, that fueled the Celtics 11 to run to kind of take control of that game again. And, and the Celtics didn't look back from there. They didn't, they weren't great themselves offensively but they were able to lock down on Curry. They were able to, you know, tighten up on Thompson. And there was really no one else on the Warriors team that was hurting them consistently when those guys were shut off there. So it's a serious situation now going forward. Like, I don't know what Steve Kerr does to kind of, I mean, you hope to get more out of maybe Wiggins. You obviously hope to get a lot more out of Draymond Green in terms of helping them offensively, but you might have to get a little creative here. And it's, maybe get a little more athleticism off the bench, go to a guy like Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody to see what you get out of them. Andre Iguodala only played the last two minutes of the game once Draymond fouled out. Um, and he obviously is dealing with all sorts of injury issues throughout the places he runs. So he's certainly not going to be, give you a big boost from athleticism or offensive perspective, but it's the mixing and matching the Warriors have are to work with here is not great. And it, in the way that they're defending um, the Celtics, particularly with Jeremiah giving away from the basket, I think is opening up other weaknesses uh, defensively that the Celtics were able to exploit with their size in game three. So that's something that both sides will look at 
moving forward in this series. Heading into game four on Friday night, it's going to be a quick turnaround. The only time this series that there's one day off in between games. So that's something to keep an eye on here um, in terms of the fatigue factor, particularly with a guy like Curry and Rob Williams who are dealing with injuries heading into the game four there. So it's going to be uh, it's a big one, obviously, at the Garden Friday night, 9 p.m. We'll be back here on the Winning Plays pod to break that game down for you on Saturday and look ahead to see whether the Celtics are in complete control of this series with 3-1 lead or if they have their work cut out for them going back across the country, knotted up at 2-2. So in the meantime, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks to Ryan for hopping on for the first part of the pod. Make sure you review, rate, subscribe to the Winning Plays podcast. Um, we really appreciate it. You guys have been listening more than ever this postseason. Appreciate definitely sending feedback my way as well at stuff you want to hear, people you want to hear from. That's always welcome on Twitter or you can hit me up on email, brob at masslife.com. And we will talk to you guys after game four on Saturday.